Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today. I know that we're, uh, we're covering something pretty big. It's a big deal. Taxes. It's mm-hmm. uh, just about tax time. I think we've got about two, two and a half weeks left when you might be listening to this for the first time, at least for this tax season. And a lot of people think taxes only matter from about maybe March 15th, April 15th. But we're going to talk through how that's not, that's not quite the case. <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe we'll, we'll figure th- a few things that might affect you for last year. But uh, more importantly, let's figure out a few things that affect you for this year and beyond. All right. And, and you said you're, you're kind of gathered some of this information from an article, correct? Well, it's not an article. It's a uh, tax guide. It was back in 2018. The tax laws changed big from mm-hmm. uh, 2017, the Tax Cuts and Job Act. So the Wall Street Journal, and I'm, I'm thinking through here, actually getting prepared for today. I've been subscribing to the Wall Street Journal for over 20 years. They haven't sponsored me yet. Maybe, maybe this will help help get there. But I, I was back in college, I was paying for as a college uh, junior, I was bought my own subscription to Wall Street Journal. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love the paper and learning a lot of things. And one thing they did back in 2018 is they did this thing called the tax guide. They figured, hey, the tax laws are changing. They created this guide in like 50 pages, 100 pages. Well, it's such a huge hit. They've done it ever since. So we're talking here, this is a 72 page Wall Street Journal tax guide. I'm sure you oh. have to be a subscriber to get it, uh, so I won't link it out there because I'm, you know, I want to keep their their intellectual property going. But we want to talk about it because this is a big deal. This is the Wall Street Journal Tax Guide 2022 edition. Some things that apply to last year, and there might be some folks here that are probably half the people haven't filed their tax return yet. Most people, a lot of people, wait towards towards the end, the, mm-hmm. the April 15th deadline. But more importantly, is what can you do now? for this year and ongoing. Let's just understand what's going on with taxes, especially how it relates to a lot of uh, our retiree type of clients. All right, let's dive in. Good, and and by diving in, I printed this off because hey, it's the Wall Street Journal, it's a newspaper. You gotta have it on paper here. So I thought, I'm just gonna flip through this here. I've got a bunch of notes. Let's just make sure the things that I'm pulling out of here that are important are things that people are keeping in mind. Here's what you ought to be looking at taxes, not just filing it for last year, but ongoing for this year. And I wanna talk about a little bit here, one of the most important things with taxes is your income tax rates and your tax brackets. A lot of people are scared of jumping to the next tax bracket, the tax rate, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, In a manner of speaking, for a lot of things, you don't have to worry about it too much. Our tax brackets that are in the US are what's known as progressive, which means they do go up the more income you have. But they're also known as what's called marginal. It means if you hit the next bracket by a penny, by a dollar, it's not like every single thing changed for most cases. We're mm-hmm. talking just on the income taxes right now. What matters is that $1. So it's interesting. Like I'll, I'll show you here. Yeah, it's like cut up in sections, right? I mean, that's Yeah, that's it's basically in sections. It. Like think of it like just, just moving on up uh, layers yeah. of a cake where the first part of it is a 10% bracket okay. and the second is 12%. And then, then it jumps to 22. That right there, I, I like to tell people to pay attention to that jump. 12 to 22 is the biggest jump in the tax bracket. Mm. 
But at the same time, you jump into the 22% bracket by $1, it's only that $1 get that's, that gets taxed at the 22% rate. Yeah. Then it goes to 24%. Then it goes to another big jump, which is 32%. So that's another one to, to pay attention to is the jump from 24 to 32. And here we are in 2022. I'm going to talk about the married filing jointly rates on there. And if you're single, just divide it by two, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the jump from the 12% bracket to the 22% bracket is at $83,550 of taxable income. Now that's important, this thing called taxable income. We'll get back to that. The jump from 24% to 32% for income tax rates is at $340,100. And so it's it's interesting where I've met people, this happens a lot, people say, hey, I'm at the highest tax bracket, and so because of that, I'm doing this, this, and this. And uh, guess what, the highest tax bracket for a married couple is at $647,851. And so it's interesting. I, I try not to be um, too cheeky about it, but it's like, oh, congrats. You must be making more than 650000 Like, oh, no, are you, are you kidding me? I'm making like one hundred fifty. Oh, yeah. well, then congrats to you because you're in the 22% bracket right now at that level. And it, actually, in reality, to think of 22%, that is a bit of a congrats because... It used to be 25% for a lot of those people. And right now in 2026, it's scheduled to become 25%. So while a lot of people think about being in a higher tax bracket, the highest tax bracket, almost across the board, I think it is across the board, every tax bracket today is equal to or lower, most of them are lower than what it will be in a few years. So keep that in mind that whatever you're doing today, it might get worse in four years. Mm in 2026. So sometimes you do actually want to pay attention to these tax brackets and pay taxes at a rate that's probably lower than it might be uh, in the future. Now, I talked taxable income because most people have no idea what their taxable income is. Mm-hmm. I would say, what What do you think, Eric? If someone said, hey, what's your income? And I'm not gonna ask you right now, but like what, if you're looking at your tax return, what number, what what would you probably say like the term would be for your, your income? Have you, give me a, give me a thought there. What my term would be, I, I don't know exactly what you're asking. My, my yeah. thought is if, if somebody's making $90,000, let's say, mm-hmm. they're probably not even hitting that second tax bracket with taxable income because out of that 90000 it's not all taxable. Yeah, so you know it right there where a lot of people, and it was easier before when it was the bottom of the first page of your tax return, mm-hmm. right at the bottom of the old first page of your tax return was a number and it's called adjustable gross income. A lot of people mm. call it AGI. Yep. And so it's, you, you know this, I, I imagine uh, you've got a good handle on your taxes where it's not actually so much what's your gross income, it's what your taxable income is. And you get to deduct some things mm-hmm. uh, that are out, out of there. And so a lot of people might make 90,000, 100,000, 105,000. And what they're seeing is that that's their gross income. It is not their taxable uh, income. It's your taxable income that actually matters. And that's a, a big deal where you've got to subtract out some different things. Uh, deductions is, is mainly one thing. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about later on, but this idea of the standard deduction, that is the one that um, it's like 27, 29,000, depending on who you are. I'll, I'll talk about that later on. You might be making 110,000 and still be in that lower 12% bracket. So it's really tough, this whole decision exactly. of, are we talking taxable income or gross income? And it's most people are under standing what their gross income is. Adjustable gross income is the, the big term, but it's your taxable income that actually hits the tax brackets. So you gotta look back towards kind of the end of your tax return 
to find that taxable income and that's what's hitting the tax brackets. When you're making decisions, think of it on, on those numbers there, the taxable income. Mm -hmm. Now what's interesting about your income is it's not just income like I earned this because I was working, it's income because I had a pension, it's also income because I made money from real estate, it's income from interest at my bank account, but there's another type of income that some people are aware of and it's called capital gain income. So when you make money because something you owned went up in value, you bought a stock for $10 and later on you sold it for $20, that's not income because you went out and worked. It's not even income because the company paid you a dividend. It's a capital gain because the thing you bought, which a fancy tax term is capital, gained and they tax you differently on that. They tax you differently, especially if it's a long-term capital gain. So keep in mind when you have investments that are outside of your IRA, just a regular old brokerage account, if you hold that and you don't sell it before a year, you gotta wait the 12 months and a day, that can switch over to long-term capital gains rates where if you're in the 10 or 12% bracket, that gain is only at about 0%. You're in the 22 and 24% bracket, that gain's only at about 15%. Whatever it is, it's a lower rate. These long-term capital grains are a lower rate than what your income tax comes in. And that can be really key to think of, okay, when I take money out of my retirement accounts, your traditional IRA is gonna show up as, as income for that first tax rate. You sell a stock outside of your IRA, it's just a regular account, that'll be a long-term capital gain. That's almost definitely gonna be a better tax situation than taking the money out of the IRA. So that's mm. a big thing when you're planning out your taxes, plan out your retirement is it's not like uh, kind of beforehand, you got your W-2, you just threw it on your tax return and whatever the answer is, is pretty much the answer. You get to make decisions on do I take money out of my income tax bracket area, like a traditional IRA, or the no tax area, like a Roth IRA, or this other piece called a capital gain, which is just selling a stock, selling a mutual fund, you made some money on it, you held it for more than one year, you get a better tax situation. Keep that in mind uh, when you're planning out what's the way I'm gonna take my taxes out? What's the way I'm gonna go about actually taking money out of my investments to live on? Yeah, and, and from my understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're figuring this out, and I know that you do this with clients, does it matter when you take that money out? So if you plan for it and say, okay, you, you do your review and you're gonna do this in maybe the first quarter to get your money set aside for your living mm -hmm. expenses for the year, does it matter if you do it all in the first quarter or should you be spreading it out throughout the year? What really matters is just getting over that 12 months in a day thing for, for a long-term capital gain. And it, it does matter because your tax year is January 1 to December 31. So we talk about this all the time where you could uh, have some sort of taxable event happen in December, but you didn't actually spend the money to the next year. So mm. it's such a good idea to plan out your taxes. You can't wait till February, March, and April. Take a look at all your tax forms that showed up in January, February, March, and say, well, here's what happened last year. You gotta plan for it ahead of time. For our clients, when we get to the, the third quarter, the fourth quarter uh, of the year, we are projecting out with them based on the information they have and from the investment accounts. Like, let's get an idea of what your tax situation might look like this year. Let's get an idea of what it might look like next year because you can often choose to take money out of a traditional IRA in December, put it in your savings account, and spend it the next year. The taxes showed up this year, you got to spend it next year. 
Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you take money out of your Roth account this year and spend it because you've got a bigger tax deal going on right now and you want to avoid the taxes, so you take some money out of your Roth IRA. But then next year, maybe your tax situation is lower and you say, well, now I can't afford to have the taxes show up this year. So then you can do what's called a Roth conversion. And it's a way to basically kind of shift around when do you choose to actually let the taxes show up compared to when do you choose to do the spending. It seems so odd, but when you go through it a couple of times, when you pay your taxes and when you spend the money does not have to be the exact same day or the exact same year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the, the finish up kind of this long-term capital gains area, especially the, the part of it that's at the 0% rate, because, hey, who loves 0% taxes? Just about everybody. Everybody. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people realize, okay, if I have a certain income, let's just say I'm at a AGI of 80000 which means your taxable income might be like fifty, fifty-five thousand or so. Mm-hmm. And you might look at it and say, hey, I've got like twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand, 30000 whatever the amount of room is in there. I've got some room where I can pay some taxes at capital gains rates of a zero rate. And that's right on. If your income is maybe about your taxable incomes, maybe about 53,000, I'll use that number, and you have 30,000 more of capital gains, it gets stacked on top and they say, okay, it's not, it's not like it's two separate things going on. They say, well, you had this income that's taxable over here, but you went from 53 to 83,000, you had 30 grand of a capital gain. Let's see how that number showed up in the capital gain area. And I'm looking at it right here. It's up to 83,350 of taxable income. Is that a 0% capital gain rate? That person says, hooray, that $30,000 capital gain is at the 0% rate. That's wonderful. But a lot of people don't realize it gets tacked on top of it. Doesn't They don't realize it gets added on top of what's already going on. They just think, hey, I, I have um, 90,000, let's say, 90,000 of AGI, adjustable gross income. My taxable income is maybe 65,000. Hey, I'm in the 0% tax bracket. This is great for, for capital gains. I'm just going to sell 30 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand of stock and let all the capital gains show up on there. And then all of a sudden they pay taxes. They say, what's going on? Well, yeah, you you had a certain amount of taxable income. Your capital gains, your selling money in the stock market gets added on top of there. And sure, some of that got at the 0% rate up until you reach that limit, which is the 83,350 for taxable income for married. But everything above that, that's at the 15% rate. It's not a separate thing. It's not like, oh, I'm, it's not like they, they sent you a card saying you're a 0% taxpayer. Mm-hmm. Here you go. <laughs> like, no, it just gets added on top of that. And whatever the numbers are, that's what the numbers are. And a lot of people get uh, surprised by that because they just think, well, last year I was in this rate. Yeah, but last year you didn't sell 30 grand worth of stock. Mm-hmm. It gets added on top of whatever's going on uh, this year. So just keep that one in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's something that's uh, probably hitting a lot less people in 2022, but probably still hit a good number of people in 2021, definitely hit it in uh, 2020, is that you have to pay taxes on your unemployment benefits. Uh, you, It's money that you, I guess, earned by hitting mm-hmm. unemployed. It's money that was sent to you by the, the state. And of course, in 2020 and 21, there's some different rules on how this extra unemployment income came in. I'm not going to dive too deep into it because in 2022, those rules aren't there, but it is somewhat often where the unemployment doesn't show up to you with the right withholding up, or maybe you did pay the, I'm sorry, maybe you did sell some stock or you took some IRA money out of your, your IRA. 
and you didn't do the withholding, it's really easy when you're working, the company withholds from your salary and it's relatively about the amount that you're gonna owe. And the government realizes that, uh, hey, you, you had the withholding from your salary and if you're off by a little bit, hey, the you did your best, it's coming through from the withholding and payroll system, you're, you're gonna be mostly fine. But if you don't do your extra withholding, your correct withholding on your unemployment, on selling some stock, maybe selling a piece of real estate that you have, things like that, you end up a lot of times with a penalty. In general, you ought to pay at least 90% of what you owe for the whole year throughout the year. And we talk to people all the time, they say, well, I'll just deal with it in April. That's fine. The number, the amount that you owe will be exactly the same. That's not changing. Mm -hmm. And yes, you got to wait a little bit before you actually paid it in. But then guess what else you got? A penalty. Because just like they're withholding from your paycheck, every two weeks, when you have financial things going on, like your social security or your investments or taking extra money from the IRA, the government wants you to pay as you go, just like it's withholding from your, your salary on there. And generally, you got to send in these these estimated tax payments. Hmm. And those are due basically in April, June, September, and in January. I'm going to say two things I see all the time with estimated tax payments. One of them is people often just ignore it and they just say, I'll take care of it later on. I'd encourage you not to ignore that, right? When your tax preparer or TurboTax or somebody shows up and says that you ought to do estimated withholding, you probably ought to do estimated withholding because you're going to end up with a penalty mm -hmm. later on. But other times I see things like people don't withhold from Social Security the way they ought, they ought to do. They only take the minimum 10% of the withholding on their traditional IRA accounts when they take money out because they call into Fidelity or Vanguard and they say, well, how much do you want out? And then the client says, well, whatever is the minimum. I mean, whatever I got to do, right? Yeah. And they say, well, the minimum's 10%. Great, I'll do that. Perfect. <laughs> well, you're in the 22% tax bracket. 10% is not going to cut it. You didn't do enough. So oftentimes I see people that just aren't withholding from the things that they could be withholding from. And then their tax preparer, because it just kicks out from their, their software, says, oh, you ought to send in like a thousand bucks every quarter or whatever the number is to the IRS. And people hate making these quarterly estimates. Mm -hmm. And they, but they do it. And I say, well, wait a second. Why are you bothering to send in a thousand dollars to IRS every single quarter and having to track it and remember it? And maybe the check gets lost in the mail. When you're not taking any of your social security as withholding, here's just one form to do the withholding, kind of like they do withholding when you had a salary, and then you're done. They take care of it for you. So it's so many oftentimes I see, I, I would say the vast majority of people that uh, tell me that their accountant or their tax preparer suggested the quarterly withholding, doing the estimated withholding, I would say, I don't know, 70, 80, 90% of the time, they don't really need to do quarterly they just need mm -hmm. to adjust and get their withholding correct on their social security or their ira withdrawals things like that so i would look to that first as a just adjust your withholding then before you start taking and making these these quarterly estimates but either way you got to make it happen otherwise you owe a penalty and that's no fun yeah no bueno yeah for sure well uh something that is only valid for 2021 is these pandemic stimulus payments where a lot of people got $1,400, even in March. We thought uh, 2020 was all these stimulus payments that came out. I mean, that was two years ago. It's still 2021. They had one where it was $1,400 per household member. And so the uh, government is saying that's tax-free, which is great. 
So if you got that, don't worry about it on your taxes. But at the same time, if you didn't get it, there's a chance that you could. So make sure as you're going through and you're talking with your tax preparer, let them know, did you get the $1,400 mm-hmm. or did you not get the $1,400? Because if you did get the $1,400, should not be showing up as taxable. And if you did not, you should be trying to claim that and make sure that you, you get that back to you on your taxes. It's really interesting. A lot of people hear these words like like stimulus or Affordable Care Act premium credits. And if you look into it, it's really weird. It's a prepaid tax credit. In reality, the $1,400 that was sent out in 2021 was a tax credit for your 2021 taxes, but you didn't file it yet. And so it shows up on your tax return still, like a year later. You might've got the check a year ago in March or April of 2021. It's gonna show up on your tax forms that either you got it and it's tax-free, or maybe you didn't get it, and now's your chance you can claim it. This is a tax credit that you can claim. So make sure you remember, and generally, if you had less than 75,000 in 2021 as a single taxpayer, or 150,000 or less as a married taxpayer, that's when you qualify. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, here's this big confusion. That is your AGI. It's not your taxable amount. It's your AGI, adjustable gross income. So it's, it's just nuts. A lot of people know this one number. This is my gross income. In reality, I'd say you probably ought to know both of them. Like yeah. what is your gross number and what is your taxable number? So that's the homework for today. Understand the uh, there's two numbers that kind of matter when it comes to your taxes. And maybe, maybe figure out and realize what those two numbers uh, might be. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. We're going through a, a few things here, and here's a here's an interesting one, and I, I, I'm going to ask you the question, Eric. I think, I think you're going to get it correct because I've maybe done it before. How much can you give away without any taxes to somebody? What's without any gift taxes? What's what's the number there? I think it's fifteen thousand a year, isn't it? Yes and no, and that that's right on. So a lot of people <laughs> still okay. say, a lot of people still say ten thousand because that's the number from like twenty years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was maybe the number forever. Well, I know and that so, you taught me the fifteen thousand, and I know there's yeah. a lifetime gift, which I'm sure you're going to touch on. But I just know yeah. the number fifteen thousand. I think the isn't the lifetime gift like eleven million or something. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's what happens here where things change every year. So now it's not fifteen thousand; it's sixteen thousand. Oh, really? So two thousand twenty-two and beyond, you can give more money away uh, to your kids. Don't tell uh, my kids. If you are if you're a kid, <laughs> go tell your parents; they can that's give you more money. You yeah. know. But it's 16000 per person per year, but that's not the limit. That's just the amount where you have to start reporting it. Mm-hmm. So you can give away 16000 to anybody you want to throughout the year. As long as you don't go above that amount, you don't have to report it in any way. And you know what happens if you report it? The government just starts tracking it. Mm-hmm. And they're tracking it to see, did you give away more than $12,060,000 over your entire lifetime? Oh, wow. Because at that point in time, that's when they start taxing you on it. Whether it's a lifetime gift, you do it while you're living, that's called a gift tax. You do it while you're dead, that's called the estate tax. They're kind of unified 
together. Sometimes you hear it as a, the unified estate and gift tax on there because it's really kind of put put together. So even then, even the 12 million, that's not a limit. That's just when you start paying the taxes. I don't think the government wants to limit how much you give away. They would love you to give away more than $12 million per person because guess what happens? They start getting some tax money. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. A lot of people say, oh, I got, I can only give away 10 grand because that's my limit. Well, no, now it's 16,000. Uh, it's now 16,000 for 2022 and beyond, but that's not the limit. That's the exemption. Yeah, You can give away 16,000, use an individual to another individual, which means if you're married, you and your spouse can give away 16,000 each. Means if your kid's married, they can get 16,000 each. You know, the, the spouse is there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. 64,000 uh, you could give away in that manner without reporting it to anyone. And that's still not a limit. Who cares? You go over by a dollar, you fill out a tax form and you put down $1. I went over by a dollar and they're just gonna track it until you happen to give away more than $12 million in your entire lifetime. Or as a couple, that's 24 million. Mm. Not, not too many people have actually uh, <laughs> done this, that. I'm not that spot, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, not, not, yeah not, not, I'm not there yet. Uh, yeah. And not too many people are either because in 2020, only 1,300 people who died had that taxable estate, had an estate higher than $24 million as mm. a couple. And that's down by quite a bit back in 2017. It was still only $5,000. So all this talk about estate tax and all this kind of stuff, it only affects like 1,000 people a year, at least at this point in time. And what affects people most is just this idea of what's my exemption? How much can I give away mm-hmm. uh, every year? And again, it's not a limit. It's just what can you give away without reporting it? And great news, perhaps, you can give away more. That's right. Right? So good news to the kids. And, you know, if you're trying to get your estate lower, that's probably good news, too, because you can give away more without reporting it to anyone uh, on there. All right. Yeah. Two, uh, actually, a couple other things related to the estate and the gift taxes. It's uh, kind of a nice thing. If you pay someone's tuition or pay their medical expenses, there's no gift tax. That's not part of that whole oh. exemption type of thing uh, on there. Yeah. So there might be a situation where grandkids go into college or you're a sibling or you know su- son or daughter had a big medical bill mm-hmm. and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm blessed. I got a lot of money. I want to help them out. You don't have to worry about the gift tax and the exemptions and things like that. Go ahead, pay their tuition, pay their medical expenses. That's uh, something that you can do completely free of all those uh, of all those rules that are on there. Here's one thing I'll just finish up with on the idea of gift taxing is sometimes, I think we've even talked about before uh, at a prior uh, episode where it's not necessarily always the best thing to write a check. Like here's a check for 10 grand. Sometimes people give different items. Uh, one of them particularly might be, hey, I'm trying to give some stock to my kids and grandkids because I want to get them used to how the stock market works and hey, I like this stock and it has a dividend and maybe uh, you know grandpa worked there years ago, things like that. With the stock, keep in mind, if you give that stock to somebody while you're living, this thing called a cost basis, like what you paid for it, it transfers over to the new person. So I'll use that, you bought it for 10 bucks, now it's worth $20. If you just give that one share of stock over to your to your kid, let's just say it's your kid right now, uh, that one share of stock, when they go to sell it, they don't get to say, oh, I paid $20 for it. They only get to say, somebody paid $10 for it. So maybe now it's moved to $30 and that entire gain, the $30 down to 10, that entire gain there, they have to pay the taxes on. Uh, meantime, if the stock showed up to your kids, your grandkids, to people at, at your death at this point in time, 
your capital gains is called a step up. If that $10 stock is now worth $20, but you die, the government says, well, the, the way we're going to look at how to pay the taxes is not at the $10 that you paid for it. It's at the $20 of the value when mm-hmm. they inherited it. That's how it uh, comes in. Yeah. yeah. It's nice. Good. Well, I, I told you we would um, connect back to this idea of standard deductions. I think uh, I'll give a little uh, feedback to the Wall Street Journal here if they're, if they're listening. I got a feeling maybe they're not. But uh, hey, when you're talking about income tax brackets and the taxable income, in my mind, the next thing you ought to talk about is the standard deduction. Because that's pretty much the first thing and what most people hit is the standard deduction where that, that number, that big number, adjustable gross income, remember that number, you get to subtract something called a deduction. And then that, generally speaking, that's going to be your taxable income. And for 2022, if you are single, that standard deduction is $12,950. For a couple, it's double, $25,900. And what's uh, interesting is the uh, the older you get, the, the more you can actually take some money uh, into that deduction. So when you are somebody that reaches uh, 65, you get to add money onto there. I think it's about uh, thirteen fifty a person that you get to add onto there. I will uh, double check on there. I would have put that. I'll give that second feedback. Hey, if if we're talking standard deductions, Wall Street Journal, let's uh, let's add that number uh, right into there. there. And there it is. Yep, seventeen fifty. If you're a single, it's seventeen fifty for two thousand twenty-two that you get to add on as being somebody at sixty-five or older. And then it's here's why I had the thirteen fifty number. If there's two of you. It used to be thirteen fifty a piece. Now it's fourteen hundred a piece. So let's just let's just talk about married filing jointly couple. That's twenty five thousand nine hundred is your standard deduction. You're both over sixty five. That's fourteen hundred dollars each. I'm just going to do a little bit of rounding. It's basically twenty nine thousand when you are a retiree. When there's two of you, you're married and you're both over sixty five. It's basically twenty nine thousand that you get to subtract from your adjustable gross income to get your taxable income. So when people here see this jump comes from 12, 12, at the 12% jump to the next biggest one, is that 83,000? Add 29,000 onto it. Now, what is that? We're talking about 112,000 of income for a retired uh, couple, two people over 65, before they actually jump up. So it's just, it's this adjustable gross income. You gotta pay attention. What is the gross amount minus these standard deductions? that's when the things start coming in on there. And so that's why oftentimes we'll talk to our clients, we'll say, hey, this goes up to like 110,000 roughly. And they're like, well, wait a second, I saw online it's 83. Well, yes, but you gotta add on the standard deduction on there. Mm -hmm. And we talk standard deduction because back when they changed things around, where it's a lot tougher now since 2018 to actually get what are called itemized deductions, it's a lot tougher to get your property taxes deducted, Mm -hmm. it's a lot tougher to get your charity and your mortgage deducted, on there because they doubled the standard deduction. It used to be 30% of people in 2017 and below were filing the itemized deductions. Now it's 11% a couple years ago. And when these deductions keep growing, the standard deduction keeps growing, I have a feeling it's going to be less and less people even that. So I'll make a prediction. We'll see if it's right on. But I'll make a prediction that in 2022, less than 20, I'm sorry, less than 10%, less than 10% of people, I bet, are going to be filing itemized and that's so important mm-hmm. because a lot of people I talk to say, oh, I have my mortgage because of my deductions or I'm going to give away money to charity because of my deductions. It's like, well, wait a second. Let's take a look yeah. and actually see if you're doing itemized deductions because most people, I mean, that's 90% now, are not doing 
uh, itemized deductions. That's a that's a big deal. It's the mm-hmm. standard deduction. You got to be paying attention to a lot more, or go through and try to find ways to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the biggest ways to get there and have more deductions is through giving away money to charity. I know you're a charitable guy, Eric. Mm-hmm. I think I consider myself to be somewhat generous. I'll claim it right there. And it used to be that a lot of people could give away money to charity, a few thousand dollars, $5,000, $10,000 a year or more, whatever it is. And they'd often hit the itemized deductions. And now those people are not quite getting there. Thankfully, in 2020, they said, if you are a standard deduction person, you can get a little bit of a charitable deduction in 21 it's the same thing. It's $300 per person. So I've even seen it already. I've seen people, some of our clients want to uh, get things done ahead of time. So they file their tax return and then they say, hey, here it is. Let me know what you think. And I say, did you file this already? Yes. Why? Well, I'm pretty sure you gave away some money to charity last mm-hmm. year and I don't see it listed on here. Well, I'm a standard deduction person. Why would I bother listing it on there? It's because in 2021, you got to deduct $300 per person for a charitable donation, yep. even if you do standard deductions. So here you are. There might be a couple of weeks left before you truly have to file your tax returns for 2021. If you're a standard deduction person, if you gave away money to charity last year, write it down, figure it out, and make sure your tax preparer knows. Because in 2021, you'd be able to deduct $300 per person. That's $600 if there's two of you on there, even if you're a standard deduction person. And keep in mind, we'll link to the show notes here. We've talked about charitable giving before. It's so interesting. Again, it's like your your income and when you spend it and your taxes, you think it all happens at once. It doesn't necessarily have to, have to happen at once. Same thing with your charity. You could give away money to charity today, get a tax deduction today, but not necessarily uh, end up with the money going to the charity exactly today. Mm-hmm. And that's this idea of called a donor advice fund. That's right. So if you're somebody that has especially stock, because if you've held the stock for, and again, stock, mutual fund, individual stock, whatever it is, if you've held that for over 12 months, you can gift the stock to the donor advice fund. You can gift the stock to the charity, whichever you choose to do. That gain is gonna be wiped out. You don't have to pay the taxes on the gain. You get to deduct, and you get to throw that on as an itemized deduction, and you do enough of it, you get over that limit of like 26,000 roughly when there's uh, when you're below 65, 29,000 roughly when you're above uh, 65. We had quite a few people, especially towards the end of 2021, the stock market was super high uh, and they were higher income, they're still working and they happen to have non-IRA type of money. We said, hey, this is great. Let's give away more than normal. Uh, We've had plenty of people where they give away 10,000 a year, 15,000 a year, 20,000 a year. We said, let's just like triple that and let's give it away to this thing called a donor advice fund Let's take it from your stocks. So you're wiping out some of the gains that you would have paid anyways. And you get to deduct this big amount because, hey, you get to 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 or beyond in your charitable uh, donations. That's going to show up in your itemized deductions mm-hmm. where you're just normal 10,000, your normal 15 grand a year giving. That oftentimes just doesn't show up. And so it's so interesting. But if you plan it out, uh, there's a lot of tax savings that can happen there. And I'm hoping if there's some tax savings, you kind of use some of that to give away some of the extra money, that'd be, that'd be a good way to go. Mm-hmm. I love it when you talk about those. I mean, donor yep. advice funds are just, they're just fun, period. Yeah, yep. Donor advice funds are definitely a great thing. And if you're old enough, at 70 and a half, you might've heard that at 72 is now the required minimum distribution. Mm-hmm. You might've even heard that the RMD required minimum distribution tables change, which means the percent you have to take out 
when you reach that age of 72 is actually a little bit lower, but it's still 70 and a half. If you're 70 and a half, when you have an IRA, traditional IRA, you can donate some money to the charity, go from the IRA directly to the charity. It avoids showing up in your tax return. It means you can't deduct it, but chances are like 90% chance you weren't deducting it anyways. You're gonna come out ahead almost every time. I can't even think of a time where you won't come out ahead when you take money from your IRA and give it directly to charity, being 70 and a half plus, as opposed to IRA to you to the charity. So keep those two things in mind. Yes, most people can't itemize deductions anymore, but there's ways that you can still help the charity, ways that you can help your taxes, giving stock to a donor advised fund, even giving cash to a donor advised fund, and especially when you reach 70 and a half and you get to that point where you're getting to do the qualified charitable distributions is a, is a great way to go. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to encourage people, hey, if you haven't uh, gone through and join up with the Wall Street Journal, I'm going to tell you it's probably worth it. Again, they don't sponsor me. Love it. They, give me a call, guys. Uh, love, just It's worth it just to get this tax guide uh, that's out there. I'm only about halfway through, but I went through and I, I covered just about all the, uh, the things that are affecting the people that are retired and hitting retirement. But it, there's a lot of things in there, tax credits for, for children, uh, a lot of things like the retirement savings accounts. I'll give you this update. When you have a 401k, you can now give in 2022 $20,500. You can now put more money in to the 401k, hmm. 20500 You reach 50, you can add a catch up for 6500 Now we're talking $27,000 that you can add into your 401k. That's a big dollar amount that you can now add into there. It's, it's great. And I do see people that are maxing out. And guess what? If you're maxing out, this year you can do more. And one thing that's important too, they talked about if you have traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks, they talked about getting rid of some of this ability to do a Roth conversion. They didn't. They didn't get rid of that ability back in 21. They didn't really pass any tax uh, laws at all. So it's still on the table. It's still something that's available to do where you can do these Roth IRA uh, conversions that are on there. So a lot of things that are going on, uh, they give some ideas here about what might be approaching in the future with uh, different tax laws uh, on there. But again, that's why we don't necessarily talk about what's proposed. We like to talk about what's reality. And reality is taxes are complicated. And reality is when you get to retirement, you have a lot more ability to control your taxes. And because of that, you have a lot more of a responsibility to learn about the taxes or at least be working with an advisor that really focuses on the tax planning. Because planning things out, looking forward, that's the way to get ahead when you're planning out your taxes, when you're trying to make sure what happens in the future is going to be the best for you. 100%, right. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for uh, coming on the show. I always love uh, having you uh, here to to clarify some things and, and, and talk through uh, the different areas. It's it's a big help. So thank you. No, I appreciate it. I, I learn a lot more. <laughs> also gonna get, I get to ask more questions. So that's perfect. Exactly. Yeah, you can. That's, it's great. It's, uh, I know you like to listen to podcasts, but hey, to be able to ask the questions while the podcast is going on, even better. Yeah, right on. Speaking of questions, if people have questions, we've had people uh, calling us, uh, emailing us with questions. Do that. Check us out, retirement-revealed.com. It'll take you right to our, our podcast website and you can click contact us and send in some questions. We even had uh, had a show where we were answering questions from from our audience. So thank you to uh, the people that, that write in. And this is a, a big subject here, the taxes. Uh, let's, let's figure out, we'd be happy to answer any questions that we can and, and get your point in the right direction. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric. And thank you too for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.